We've been, uh, we started a series last week entitled For Such a Time as This. And we wanted to continue it this week because we wanted everybody to kind of get an understanding. So let me just kind of roll back a little bit and bring us up to date. First off, this is an incredible time we live in. An incredible time, and I need you to know that. But I also need you to know this is not a time for fear. It has to be and always has to be faith over fear. Now, fear is a beautiful emotion as long as it's used at the right times in the right kind of circumstances. Like if you're being chased by a dog, you want to be able to jump over the fence, and fear will have an ability to help you do that. But in this particular case, we are fearing some things that aren't really real. Satan does not have the power to prevail against the church. He cannot do it. He will never be able to do it. So the church, the body of Christ, will never be defeated. So whenever changes begin to happen, these changes may rock our emotional context. They may rock our mental context. We kind of live in a world and these changes come and kind of rattle the gates of that world that we're in. This rattling is not to cause you fear. This rattling at times is causing us to wake up and see that there are some other people outside the gate who are saying, hey, help us. Come be with us. Does everybody get that? So it's a time of change, and sometimes it can be somewhat confusing, but don't retreat. Don't fall back. Don't go back to those old mindsets. Engage this time period. Whenever Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, they got to the Red Sea. And at the, once he got there, he knew he had no place to go back. They had to go forward. Moses does not know what to do at this particular time. So he prays to God. And God asks him and tells him, hit the water with your staff. Moses has to do something that's not normal to him, not comfortable to him, not reasonable to him. But his faith in God was greater than his doubt. It was greater than his fear. I sure hope you all are hearing me today. And because of his faith, he went on and did what God told him to do. And the sea split and allowed the children of Israel to walk across on dry land. God is taking us somewhere right now in this time period. So I just need you to keep faith over fear. So are you ready for part two or for such a time as this? You know, last week we talked about uh, Esther and Mordecai. Well, this week I just wanted to, to give us a, you know, a concept or an outlook on what God had planned. I think we kind of miss this. We forget that there's only one God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one people. We kind of have gotten all of that discombobulated. And because of that, we have this concept that there are multiple races of people and all of those kinds of things. And each one of them have a different attribute. And, and this one is mean and this one is scary and this one is hot blooded and this one likes to drink and all of that kind of stuff. And none of that stuff is true. That's all man made stuff. So Ephesians chapter 2 is what we're going to read today. We're going to start there. And I want us to know that in here are some really basic, simple instructions given to us by God. Because God has never been confused. Not once has he been confused about what he created and where it is going. Not 
once. And I need us to get that because our comfort doesn't come from what we see. Our comfort comes from the God that we know will never change. And as my grandmama and my mama used to like to say, who's never been late. So if you don't mind, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 2 and begin. Before we do, of course, get your notepad, get your pencil. And if you need, call somebody. Say, hey, listen, Tuesday Church is live streaming right now. All right, are you ready? Let's get started. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to begin to read at verse number 1. And this is in the message translation, and we're just going to have some fun. And it reads as as follows. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. I'm going to stop there for a second. We have to stop letting the world tell us what to do. (laughs) God spoke to Jesus Christ to create the body of Christ. Then when Jesus left, he sent the Holy Spirit to live within us. We have direct connection to heaven. We have direct information from God Almighty. We don't have a broken line. We don't have a disconnected line. We have direct connection. The world is what we were sent to to straighten it out. It has never been created to talk to us. We are supposed to be in the position to teach it. But first, you have to understand you're going to have to loose yourself from the strappings of the world. You cannot let the world and its mindset tell you as a Christian how you're to see the world. You know how we see the world? Through the eyes of Christ. Does that make sense to you today? So I'm going to go back to that first verse again. I'm just going to read it through. It says, it wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin dead lives And made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own (laughs) with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in the highest heavens in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Can you see what God is doing here? God has did all of this on his own. He didn't wait for us. He did it because he loved us, but he changed our circumstances. The world could not direct us because we had a direct line from him. So he directed us. He saved us. He cleansed us. He, he sanctified us. He did all of this stuff because he decided to do it. Not because we were worthy of it or that we earned it. He did it because he loved us. So I need us to get this right now. Right now, as crazy as it seems, God is still in control. You know why? Because he never left control. He never lost control. 
Our problem is, is we stop focusing on the throne and start focusing on the problem. And as long as you focus on the problem in the world, you're going to be scared. You're going to be confused. But if we go back and listen to what his word is telling us, he's in control. He's in control. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can I tell you, nothing can break that communication. Nothing can break that line. God is still in control. You have to be careful not to let the world tell you how to look at this situation. Let God show you how to look. Let's keep reading. Y'all good so far? Is this helping? Praise the Lord. It says, now God has us where he wants us. Isn't that good news? I don't know about you. I love it when he says he has me where he wants me because he knows more about me than I know about myself. He knows more about me than where I'm going and what plans he has for me. He knows that. So I'm happy that he has me right where he wants me. Now, every now and then that might not feel comfortable. That place he has me may not be fun to be in right now because I'm looking at some things and I've got to change my mind about some things. I'm confused about some things. So it may not feel comfortable, but God is doing more than comfort finding. He's changing me. And I may have to go through some uncomfortable times to continue this transformation. Now, God has us where he wants us with all of the time in this world. Hmm. And the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. What an incredible promise. What an incredible vision. He has all the time in this world and in the next. He's just told us we have eternal life with him. So he, he's not in a rush. But in the midst of this thing, we need to be transformed. We need to sever our, our link to the world that wants to guide us when God already does. Now, God has us where he wants us with all the time in the world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. Do you trust him today? You know, trust is a magnificent thing. And I, I, it always makes me remember a story I learned a long, long time ago. I may have shared it before, but I'll share it again today. There's a, um, what do you call it? A guy who, uh, line across Niagara Falls, the, uh, they walk across. It's not a trapeze, but we'll, we'll just call him whatever he is. He, he walks across that line of tightrope walker is what it is. And this guy, this is a true story. He used to walk across Niagara Falls on this tightrope, pushing a wheelbarrow. And he'd get to the other side and he would tell the people over there, hey, and the people would yell and scream and clap. And he said, do you think I can go back? Do you think I can go back across? And they go, yes, yes, yes. And he said, do you really trust the idea that I can go back? And then, yes. Then he said, if you trust me, somebody get in the wheelbarrow. Well, he went back with an empty wheelbarrow. Because nobody really trusted in what he was doing. They just believed he could do it. I need you to think about something today. Do you actually trust God? See, because trust is something that you give away to somebody because of an experience you had with them that they've never failed you. 
They never stopped on you. They've never been late. I need you to know that through every trial, through every tribulation, through every hard time, God has been there for you. And because of that experience, it should develop a level of trust. So every now and then he's going to have to push you out into a place you've never been before. A place that is foreign to you, uncomfortable, and somewhat scary. But you have to trust the person who has the wheelbarrow. Do you trust God today? Do you trust him that he will take you somewhere that you've never been before? You got to. Listen closely. Now, God has, all we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, (laughs) we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates, hold on to something. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work He does. Man, Pastor Ben. Well, again, what we have to get here is just not about the work you do. You don't go out and make up something and say, here, God, I I serve you this way. Here, take that and honor that, God. I served you this way. Take that and honor that. God says, no, I want you to honor me by doing the work (laughs) that I do. What's what's God's work? What What does God want? He wants us to love him. He wants us to have an intimate, loving, kind relationship with him. Is anybody listening to me today? It's important for us to get this. How do I serve this God? In John chapter 6, verse 29, they asked Jesus, what are the work that we should do? Jesus says, the work you should do is believe in the one whom God has sent. What does God want? God created one people on one earth that we would learn how to live together as one people on one earth. That's his plan. So how, how, do, how, do we, how do we complete this? How do we do this? First, we have to quit looking through the world's eyes at each other and begin to look at each other through God's eyes. That's his work. That's part of it. Are y'all still here today? Let's read on. Uh, Hopefully this is helping you today. It says the good work he has gotten ready for us to do work. We had better be doing, but don't take any of this for granted. It was only yesterday that you outsiders to God's ways had no idea of this. Didn't know the first thing about the way God works. Now this thing is really getting deep here because Paul is beginning to separate the Jews from the Gentiles. The word of God went first to the Jews. The Gentiles, who's everybody else like us, didn't know anything about it. But Paul is getting ready to prove an incredible point. So I'm going to read it, but then we'll talk about it a little bit. Y'all ready? It says, hadn't had the faintest idea of Christ. That's what the Gentiles, not really, didn't know. It says, you knew nothing of that rich history of God's covenants and promises in Israel. Hadn't a clue about what God was doing in the world at large. Now, everybody say now. Man, I love now. (laughs) Now, because 
of Christ. Dying that death, shedding that blood, you who were once out of it altogether are in on everything. Now, I just need you to get this. (laughs) Two distinctively different groups of people who had two distinctively different histories and had very distinctive ideas about each other as people. When you read your Bible, you'll know that Jews refused to go to Gentiles' house. They wouldn't eat with them, wouldn't share anything with them. It was a whole real separate thing. But the word of God says, but now because of Christ. I need us to get this today. Well, brother, how how are we supposed to, you know, how do we work our way through this? How do we do this? Because of Christ. Well, how do, how do, because he shed his blood. But how am I supposed to feel about you? Because he shed his blood to make us one. Well, how am I supposed, do you believe that he shed his blood for you? Well, then if you believe he shed his blood for you, there's no way you can take that blood away from me. He shed his blood for me because we're only one people. Is anybody listening to me today? It's important for us to get what God has done. So we quit trying to defend something that is indefensible. We cannot defend the positions that we find ourselves in because they're not based on the Bible. They're based on something that is man-made and we have to get that. God has already taken care of what he needs to take care of. Let's, let's, let's keep reading. Now, hopefully this is helping you. It says the Messiah has made things up between us so that we're now together on this. Both non-Jewish outsiders and Jewish insiders. He tore down the wall. We used to keep each other at a distance. He tore down the wall. I said he tore down the wall. Ephesians, I believe, is written in around 65 AD. It's 2020. Paul wasn't saying he tore down the wall in 65 AD when he wrote it. He said he tore down the wall when Christ died on the cross. When he died on the cross, he ended everything. He even said it is finished. So since Jesus said it is finished and we find ourselves in this unfinished position, how did we get here? Because God has not changed, will never change. His word will never go wrong. It will always be beautiful, full, and inerrant. How did we get here? It says, know ye the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, if you don't know the truth, then bondage will put you in error. We are here because of error. We are here because of lies. We are here because we changed positions. We gave the world our power and we took their mess. And then the mess entered into the body of Christ. So now the mess that was in the world is now in the body of Christ, is in church. That's heartbreaking. But we now do understand what it is we're supposed to do. Let's read on just a little bit further. 
He repealed the law code that had become so clogged with fine print and footnotes that it hindered more than it helped. Then he started over. (laughs) Instead of continuing with two groups of people separated by centuries of animosity and suspicion, he created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everybody. Now, every now and then I tell you I feel like dancing because I do right now because I need you to get something. God already fixed the problem. We are the ones who are resistant to the change that needs to take place inside of us. He's already done it. He, (laughs) He got rid of the animosity. He got rid of the hate. He buried it. God buried it. So when we come to church, when we get baptized and resurrected, we're telling him, Father, I am now following you and not the world. Well, what's happening is we got a lot of wet people who are still following the directions of the world and not of Christ. Because once we get resurrected, we are brand new. The slate has been wiped clean. He has opened us up. And we read Colossians last week where he told us to clothe ourselves with compassion, with love, with tenderness, with those kind of attributes. This is how we are supposed to interact in the world. But if you got baptized and you came up out of the water and you were still hating a group of people, something went drastically wrong. And then 15, 20, 30 years later, you are still hating people. Something is not right. That is not what God created in Ephesians chapter 2. That is not what God's plan was. We need to sit back a little bit, step back and take a look at ourselves and wonder how did we get here? Because God's word is plain, it's pure, and it's straight. Can we go back to that verse, sis? Just one more time. Instead of continuing with two groups of people separated by centuries of animosity and suspicion, he created a new kind of human being. A fresh start for everybody. Are you going to be new? The door has been opened. The avenue to travel to newness is wide open for you. He can't make you new. We still have free choice. It has to come from you. But I can tell you something. He's already opened up the door that we don't have to be separated from each other. We don't have to despise each other. We don't have to have animosity with each other because God has already taken care of that. Let me finish reading. Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. (laughs) The cross got us to embrace. And that was the end of hostility. Have you embraced your brother yet? Have you embraced your sister yet? Not just physically embrace. I need you to wrap your arms around their experiences. I need you to wrap your arms around their concepts. I need you to wrap your arms around the idea that you can sit down and listen to them without judgment, without fear. You'll find out that nobody's trying to lay condemnation or guilt on you. They're just saying, see me, (laughs) see me, please 
see me. Let me show you what's really going on here so you'll have an understanding. I need us to embrace because God has already created the atmosphere for the embrace. You can go ahead and do it. It won't hurt you because God is not trying to harm you. He's trying to change us. He's trying to grow us. You know, we keep talking about mature Christians. I need you to know something. Christian maturity is not about how long you've been here or about how many Bible verses you know. It's about your ability to live the way God has called you to live. That's real Christian maturity. Let's finish. He says, Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to us insiders. He treated us as equals. And so made us equals. Now, (laughs) do I need to say anything about that? It's important that you know, when you try to take away somebody else's equality, you're eroding your own. He treated us as equals and so made us equals through him. We both share the same spirit and have equal access to the father. I, I remember being somewhere one time and a, a guy, a law enforcement officer looked at me and I'm bold. I'm part of a little protest. And I tell him, I said, officer, can I pray for you? That man looked at me and said, son, I don't believe your prayer passes the top of your head. He cannot break the connection that my father and I have. I don't care what he feels. I don't care what he thinks. It doesn't change the truth. The truth is God has already done what his word said that he did. So this person now must make a transformation. He has to change because you can't take my God from me. You can't separate me from God because the same God that gives you peace gave me peace. Now, if my peace causes you to be unpeaceful feeling, there's a problem. If my equality makes you feel uncomfortable, There's a problem because God has already created us to be equal. So where do we go with this? We got some growing to do. Let me finish reading this thing. Praise the Lord. That's plain enough, isn't it? Man, the Bible is crazy. Beautiful. You're no longer wandering exiles. The kingdom of faith is now your home country. This is where we live. Said this is where we live. Some of y'all want to move. (laughs) There's too much equality going on here. I can't handle it. (laughs) You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here, which is much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. God is building something. Say God is up to something. God is up to something. I want to be whatever he's up to. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you. He's using you. He can use you for the good or he can use you as an example. 
I don't know about you. I don't want to be an example. I want to be used as good. I want him to be able to say to me, well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't want him to point to me like they have in the Bible and say, don't be like Hymenaeus and, and that other guy. I want him to be able to say to us, well done. Well done. He used the apostles and the prophets for foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day. A holy temple built by God. All of us. Yeah, that's right. All of us. <laughs> All of us built into it. A temple in which God is quite at home. Brothers and sisters, this is how God feels about this particular situation. This is what he sacrificed for. This is what he died for. We have to figure out where do I stand in the midst of this thing? Why do I hate? Why do I have such anger? Why do I fight against all this change? Why am I fighting against it? What am I losing here? I'm telling you today, brothers and sisters, you can't hold on to the world and step into this kingdom because they don't work together. You cannot be led of the world. Jesus even said, you are in the world, but you're not of the world. Why? Because kingdom living, the kingdom of God is where we live. I don't have much time, but I'm going to go to a quick verse here. Uh, uh, we're going to um, shoot. Hebrews. If you have it back there, if you don't, don't worry about it. But I can kind of make it up. It's, it was Hebrews chapter 4. And in Hebrews chapter 4, it talks about how the word of God is alive and is active and sharper than any double-edged sword. The word of God is able to attitudes and your heart. It's able to cut between the attitudes and your heart. And I need us to get this today. Please hear me. You can't sit here in any church, in any place that you call church and fool God. It won't happen. You can fool me all you want. You can't even fool yourself because James says you'll walk to a mirror and you'll look in there and you'll turn around from the mirror and forget what you look like. You can't even fool yourself. I need us to do something today. Stop. Give it up. Quit trying to make wrongs in the rights. Well, I don't like what's happening. Find out why it's happening. Talk to somebody. Don't have a pre-arranged attitude over what you think you see. Go talk to somebody. Find out why. And then don't judge them. Don't judge them. Brother told me the other day, you shouldn't feel that way. Okay, bro, how do you form an opinion about how I should feel. If God already got rid of the wall of hostility, animosity, what are you afraid of? What scares you right now? I read a story. This is in closing. A guy who came across a picture of his when he was around 14 years old. 
And he was with three of his friends and they were at a park. They were eating ice cream. He is now 64. This picture was taken when he was 14. And in that picture was a young man of darker hue. We may refer to him as an African-American or a black or whatever. And he said when he seen the picture. I remember how many times we mistreated that guy. I remember how many times that I gave him no recognition. I never listened to him. He said, I don't even, I'm not even sure if I remember his last name. But he was in my picture with a smile on his face when I was 14 years old. I wonder where he is now. Here's what I need, church. We can't call ourselves Christians until we are Christ-like. I'm not saying that we don't all need to grow because we do. But I'm saying if you right now are hating people because of the color of their skin, their economic background, if you are hating people, something is wrong with our faith. Something is wrong about how we're supposed to see the world. Four, in a time such as this, it's important for us. To die. The church was never created for your comfort. It was created for your change. Come, let God take you through the change and go from being a caterpillar to a butterfly. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Again, brothers and sisters, if there's any questions you have, if you need to talk to somebody, you know you can find Ben here, Pastor Ben at Tomoka Christian Church, number 386-677-6455. Just give us a call. We're here for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to share in this word. You alone are God, the one, the only, the almighty. Father, we just love you, love you, love you, and we know you love us. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for what you have already done. Allow us to grow into it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say it. I just want to say come back, see us next week. God, God is great than anything you've ever experienced in your life. God bless. Have a great day.